and welcome to Scale Your Sales podcast, listed in 2020 as number eight of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional. I am your host, Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert and author of Business Evolution, Creating Growth in a Rapidly Changing World. I created Scale Your Sales Framework to develop leading edge capabilities to secure, retain and grow key customer relationships for long-term value and partnership. Join me each week to learn from amazing B2B sales and business experts and influencers. Tune in for actionable insights and strategies. Are you ready to scale your sales? Rip Roaring Keynote Speaker making business fun best-selling business author of six books and tv presenter my next guest has been described by the press as the alternative business guru and is one of the winners of business communicator of the year award also voted as one of the world's top 10 business motivational speaker <laughs> i've got the Welcome. certificate i've got yeah. the certificate yeah yeah right. <laughs> we're going to need to see that it's authorized and yeah you know, yeah, yeah, yeah oh absolutely <laughs> they only need to go onto your youtube channel yeah. welcome to scale yourselves podcast jeff birch thank you it's great to um have you here and as i showed you before we started recording I yeah, have the books. Absolutely. Yes, You're I, the person who I, bought them. I know. <laughs> I've got three of the, the six, so I'm still kind uh, of like uh, hunting them, them all out. So oh, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll whoop through the attic and see what we've got. <laughs> First of all, let me say I have a fondness for Mrs. Birch. Yeah. And I've never met her. I just feel I already boss. know her. Absolutely. The boss. Yeah. Behind every successful man, there's a very surprised woman. Yeah, surprised by his success. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm an amazing, wonderful woman. But also, I have to tell you, I also have a fondness for Derek Stubbins. Oh, right. Yeah. Great fondness for him. Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, he was a, he's a, he's a, he's a reformed character. Yeah. And for those of people that don't know what I'm talking about, this the is... The dog. The character. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I'll be putting all the all the links in the show notes. Lovely. So tell yeah. me, um, I can imagine there's lots of people in your life that you, you know, in your business world where you've come across, you know, the Derek Stubbins, and that's you know, kind of melt uh, melted into this wonderful, deep and glorious character. But, you know, like, how, where did you get the inspiration behind this book? Well, he's kind of me. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, whenever I cock anything up, I always have this wonderful list of excuses I can make to myself, you know, which poor old Derek does. When he doesn't sell anything because he's too stupid or lazy, he, he, he blames everyone else, which I think we all do to an extent. You know, it, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's right, anything rather than blame ourselves for the mess we've gotten into, you know. Yeah, but, but he goes from one, quite a few, one mess to, to another and doesn't seem to, you know, learn as he no, goes. No, no, I, I, again, it's, uh, you know, people, people don't. There's a famous mythical character that basically his life is a catastrophe and he ends up, he ends up in Hades. I think it's a classic. So he ends up, you know, the, he says, well, I just didn't have any lucky breaks. You know, it was, you know, the whole thing. Destiny led me to this despair. And 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 the, the god of whatever it was. Well, all right then. 
you know, I've, I've never done this before, but I'm going to give you your life back. And you'll come back. You know exactly what's waiting for you. And anyway, he lives his life, makes all the same mistakes, even though he's lived that same life. He does all the same things and ends up back in front of the going, ha, what happened, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Here yeah. he is again, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's you right. Do we do. We do do it all the time, you know. He obviously yeah. didn't watch the film, uh, and it's one of my favourite films, It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, yeah. I know he makes the little egg. There's always, you know, this is a kind of theme because it's not true. It's all, I think it's a huge, deep human desire because there's wonderful life. There's, um, you know, there, there's Scrooge. I think he still would have been horrible even after the, the, he would have, for a day or two, he might have bought the turkey for the Cratchits and stuff. And then he'd have kind of shaken it off and gone back to being revolting again. This this sort of thing that something happens in our life that reforms us. And stops us being idiots. I, <laughs> I don't know. You know. I think we have to live. You say that's never happened to you, then? What? What? That I've been haunted by three ghosts and stuff? No, I met Mrs. Birch, and she whipped me into line. That's what we need. We need a. We need a boss. I. I. I, I love people who are guided by prejudices when they slam against reality. And um, we we met a very misogynistic boss. And Sally always works with me, and she says, that's not always welcome. And he said, you all, you're Jeff Birch, aren't you? Anyway, and he pointed to Sally and said, who are you? And she said, I'm his owner. <laughs> so that sort of shut that down. That was me. like a real slap in the face. That's fantastic. That's, that's what I love, Mrs. Birch. Yeah. <laughs> So you know you've you've had um, uh, a, a wonderful fueled life traveling around the world doing massive yeah. um, gigs um, speaking engagements. But I thought it was quite interesting when you said um, you know I asked you a question previously and you you said that uh, um, virtual conferencing has made your business become global. Now I thought well, that's a bit strange because surely. Your business was global before that because you were on planes traveling around the world delivering to massive audiences. So why did you say that? I'm globaler. I mean, if there's such a word, I'm globaler. Because big, big multinational companies with huge amounts of money would hire me to be the hired, and you are the hired help. You know, they're, they're very good jobs. From a speaker's point of view, they're very good jobs. The small jobs are ones that, uh, excuse my French, are a pain in the ass. Because the people find it hard to find the expense of a speaker, so they want it exactly the way they want it, this, that, the other. But the big ones don't give a monkeys about you. They just hand you a wad of money, put you up in a five-star hotel, you talk, go home, they forget you. You know, that's the, uh, it's very simple, you know. And, um, you know, it, what's happened is I've suddenly become accessible to, to, to a guy in the jungle in the Philippines who's got a who's got a mobile phone and wants to talk to me about his guava crop or um I, I've suddenly got kind of really well known in India, which I've had no experience of before at all. And and meeting really tiny, 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 tiny businesses who would never have you know, they would have never have seen me unless they'd been an employee of one of these giant telecoms or whatever it is, you, you are in a bit of a bubble if you become an international business guru. It's a bit bubbly. 
But now it's not. It's actually direct contact with people of completely different cultures, you know, and I, I'm learning more than they are, I think. I think it's interesting because reading up about you, you um, uh, your business guruing started with the Enterprise Initiative. And yeah. I was one of those people that took that initiative and that helped to um, start one of my business. And at the end of the, kind of, I can't remember how long the course was, yeah, there was a winner and I'm the one that got the award. So you get an extra, you know. Oh, perhaps that's where you got one of the books. Yeah, yeah, maybe, I tended, maybe. I tended to hand them out. I, I remember yeah. I got money, though. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah even better. I'd rather swap my books for money any time. But anyway, that's my, that's my business, after all. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of bringing you full circle. So I wonder if the fact that you're now dealing with a lot more coal-faced business people, whether in India or, you know, the UK, we all face kind of similar problems. Is that a joy to actually come back to that at the coal face? And it, it is lovely. I, I love to, to speak to a small business because business startup is something that I'm really fascinated by because it's, it's so easy to fix. I mean, I, I'm working with sort of sometimes top streamlined companies that are firing on all cylinders and achieving 99%. So I have to work my ass off to try and get that last 1%. But then I, I, I work with a small company. And in 10 seconds, I can see 500 terrible mistakes that they can put right. And they're working at 1%. So I can get 100% improvement just getting them 1% better. And, and, and they're always lovely people. And they're always making these kind of in-your-face blunders. When I, when I did the TV series, um, when I did the TV series all over the shop, I had to go and rescue small businesses. and. And I mean, I'm, you're not going to believe this, but I, I'm a little bit of a shrinking wall. I don't like being horrid to people. I don't, because I, I want people to love me. You know, I'm, I'm desperate to be loved. So we went, we went to this flower shop. And I thought, if, again, for your viewers who've never seen it, there's a kid's program called Chalton and the Wheelies. And there's a little tiny Welsh witch who's abusive to poor old Chalton the dragon. You great fat stupid idiot, she says. <laughs> anyway. I had a little Welsh woman director of this TV series. I'd never been on telly before. And she said, you've got to go in that shop and tell them how to run their business. So I went in and said, this poor girl came out slightly sweaty and disheveled. What do you think of my shop? I said, it's lovely. Everson. And let's say I'm grabbed by the ear and pulled back. You great, stupid, fat idiot. This is TV. The people don't want you to tell her it's nice. You're going to make her cry. Make a cry, tell her crap her businesses. Make a cry, the viewers want to see a bit of peril, a bit of upset. Make a cry, or I'll kick your ass. <laughs> so I went back in. I said, Well, actually, your shop's a bit crap. And she went, I don't know why. And I said, well, What is it? She said, Well, it's a flower shop. I said, You haven't got any flowers. She said, No, because when it's frosty, they all die, so don't put them out. And I said, um, it, it says on the window, Beryl's. And she said, Yeah, yes. They said, It doesn't say Beryl's flower shop. No. I said, well, how does anybody know it's a flower shop? Well, I hadn't thought of that. And it just, <laughs> in the end, you know, we transfer, and time passes. We transfer, and it says Beryl's Flower Shop, and she's got a barrow of flowers outside it. And she was doing 1,200 quid a day. And it's like, Jeff's brilliant saves the business. You think, well, I, actually, do you know what? It wasn't that difficult, you know. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun yeah. taking people with great business ideas. 
who are in despair and said, you know, it's quite easy. All you do is pick up the phone and ask for that. Well, why don't you put it in this? Well, a, a mad woman, not with TV, but on one of the startups, had goat cheese. And she makes, she made, um, I don't know, 20 cheeses a day and lost money on all of them. And I said, well, what? She says, it's, she looked like a goat. You know how people look like they're animals? She looked like a goat. She said, well, the thing is, you know, I only have 20 goats. You see, I said, well, why don't you buy goat milk from other goats? Oh, no, no, you're getting into goat politics now. <laughs> anyway, I said, well, why don't you just put them in a little wooden box and a, and a handwritten label with Cotswold goat cheese, handmade in the thing. And if you can smell it, you can smell that. And they, 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 roam, they roam loose in our orchards, so you can sometimes taste the taste of russet cotswold apple when you eat the cheese and charge six quid she used to charge 30 pence for a cheese we yeah. got it charging six quid for a cheese and putting it around the gift shops you know and she just sure again you know never look back is the <laughs> but yeah. it was just so you know as long as i'm a genius it's because i'm a little bee i'm a little buzzy bee and i pick up nectar from flowers maybe i'll be buzzing round. Apple computers one day and go, oh, that's how they handle their paperwork. And the next thing I'm at Fred Smith's nut and bolt factory and say, do you know, what they do at Apple with their paperwork yeah. is this, you know, and it was oh, cricky, that would make life easier, you know, so it's really fun. And I think that's the real benefit of working with a variety of, of industries, because people often say to me, you know, uh, what industry do you work in? But actually, I like working across yeah. industries because you can take what uh, what uh, you've learned in one industry and share it. And they benefit from, from that as well. But let me ask you about the, you know, the larger companies, because you talked about the, you know, the 1% the difference that you can make because they're already doing 99%. I would imagine that you, that's a completely different character that you're, you're dealing with the egos and the yeah. characters and the oh. fact that they think they know it all, but, you know, they're getting yeah. in the guru, um, you know, that wants that, that is there to make them feel good about the 99%. But actually yeah. you, in order to get back in again, you need to do the 1%. How do you, how do you manage that environment? I have to use humor really. I mean, uh, I'm a miserable git. I mean, if I smell flowers, I look for a funeral, but I, I have this, this, I have to tell parables. Because if you say to them, you're a bunch of idiots, you know, then they, you tend to find yourself back in the street again. And a lot of them are a bunch of idiots. It, it's very, it's very difficult. Two things. One is that I'm really old and festery now, so I don't really care that much. So if people ask me their opinion, I tend to give it more readily now. And and secondly, it, it is by rapping us. It's, it's a skill that I, I, I carried through all my I was always in trouble. I mean, my entire life I was in trouble. And I realized you could sometimes get out of it by making people laugh. So, so you know, even what you would describe. I had a bloke say to me once, a very senior director, who came up to me and said, are you, a, are you a business speaker or are you a bloody comedian? And I said, well, why? He said, well, honestly, he said, we've had an hour of you. He said, you talked about a crapping dog. You talked about boiling a frog. You talked about killing a cat. You talked about, you know, muggers. And the, he said, it was just one tirade of jokes. And I said, well, tell me. And he repeated my entire presentation back to me, to every word, you see. And I said, before me was your um, finance director. 
he did an hour too. What did he say? And he couldn't remember any of it, not one single word. And I said, well, that's how I, that's why I do it. You know, because people, it, it gets stuck in people's heads. You know, I, th I think throughout history, jesters, clowns, satirists have always made the strongest political and social and business points by wrapping it in humor, you know, right, right back to right back to Swift and, and Gulliver's travels, you know, that a whole war started about who, which end of an egg you ate when you boiled it. You know? yeah. and, and, and again, if you, you, it must have got a few generals and stuff thinking, yeah, what, what this war is about, you know, are we really, what, what are we doing? You know? Yeah. 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 I, I, I love that, you know, like there's a lot of talk about storytelling, but you know, you are <laughs> the master of these uh, stories. Um, and, and yet it, when you are doing keynotes, that's the, that's the thing is making it stick. So they walk out of the conference hall and they're going to do something different. Um, so let me ask you about what you said uh, that you think modern business is using um, allograms uh, rather than actually trying to understand customers. Why did you, you say that? Um, because, because, again, I, I work in this, you know, I, again, I used to, when I, when I worked with this wonderful Welsh director, she got me at the start of every show to look very pugnacious and stare into the camera and go, my name's Jeff Birch and business is my business. Like that. It was really good. I, I still do it to the mirror every day when I say. <laughs> you scare and, uh, the kids with it. Business is my business. Like that. And um and, and of course I, I'm actually my serious thing is I'm a bit of a bobble hat about business. I read all these big extra hard books on business. And you realise that people will go and they go to these meetings and they will discuss these massive complicated things. And talk about, you know, hierarchy of need and this. Uh, and yet they're not actually being nice to their customers. There's, um, again, a lovely story my, uh, was that a famous American, huge American corporation decided that they were set to get into the pet food market. It was going to be great. And, and they got their psychologists to design the tins so that they were a certain shape and size that would appeal really immediately appeal and then they got a color and they used their logistics to distribute these tins of dog food all over the states and they, they used this market the marketing people were fabulous they used nudge marketing and spent a hundred million dollars hundred million dollars on this thing and it went completely flat they lost every penny it was a disaster and the chief executive got this conference of a thousand people said, look, we got the logistics, we got the can, we got the, we got the marketing, what the hell went wrong? And this voice right at the back shouted, the dogs hated it. <laughs> 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 and it's kind of, you know, people lose sight of the, you know, when you're up to your ass in alligators, it's hard to remember you set out to drain a swamp. And mm. it, it's, it's this people lose sight. Of you know they, you know back in 1846, Granny Scruggles actually made a delicious biscuit which people hurried to buy, and if you ever got a broken one, she'd give you two new ones. You know that was the kind of essence of the business from day one, and now they've got into hyperlinks and online, and they've kind of forgotten that they made really yummy biscuits. It's 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 this heart of our business, and the customers are the heart of our. And it sounds a bit 
greasy that but the customers are because they can walk away yeah the customers pay for it finding and keeping customers is the only activity that can generate revenue everything else we do involves us in cost mm. yeah so you know and that should never be forgotten mm. 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 i i i totally agree with you i remember um i interviewed mark malcolm mcdonald and uh, he said, you know, like you know, these marketers that are always they go to the board and they they say that uh, we've got a hundred more likes, a hundred more likes on social media, social media, you know, but we're losing money. <laughs> you know, we've lost customers. We've got a thousand more likes, and he said, you've got to focus on the market, focus on your customers, and never lose sight of that. Exactly um, what you said. It's not about likes. It's actually about the bottom line. Yeah. And and use. I think you know, like what's I was asked going to ask you what is your tried and tested stack strategy um to helping listeners to scale their sales well i mean ask people to buy things i mean it, it's really simple i mean there's actually they they call it the proposition or whatever if you actually ask somebody to buy something we, we did a secret shop for car big car manufacturer and we, te- we I, I had 26 test drives and no one asked me my name and address. So like, you know, they'd be, oh, follow up and this, that. And this. Nobody actually asked who I was or, or where they could contact me. Mm-hmm. I, one did, but didn't follow up. You know, I, I, again, the other, I, I've got a particularly exotic motorbike. I went in there the other day to get some spare parts. The spare parts guy was marvelous because he was a bubble app and talked about motorbikes. And the mechanic was terribly friendly. The salesman didn't get off his ass. Mm. And I said, oh, I hear you've got a new model. And he, he just kind of pointed vaguely. He said, yeah, there's, I think there's one in the corner. And I went back to messing with his phone. Yeah. yeah. A, I, and I'm a lovely guy, but I'd have fired him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the know. spot. <laughs> and, and I just, you know, let, here's a message to the viewers. Do you know what your people are actually up to? How many times have you been in a, store or on a holiday where you've been treated badly and and you kind of think or you've seen people damaging stuff or throw you know these parcels guy that sort of like drop kicked the parcels like I, I a van came up our road the guy couldn't find the house so he threw the parcel in a hedge a random hedge and just drove off but you think that needs to be known, you know, it needs to be, you know, if you're in your ivory tower and you aren't seeing what's going on in your own business, if you aren't seeing that your dream isn't being delivered by, you know, that I, in one of my books, I did this big thing about the conflict between the dream, you know, I, I, I couldn't work out how it was that, that, that somehow the marketing guys have decided to launch a new uniform. So they're, they get all the staff together in the dry ice and some professional dancers come down, down, you know, from above in lifts and the dry ice is smoking and they do this really great body popping dance, these live, fabulous people in this sort of colored boiler suit, which is now put on a 300 pound kid. And the boiler suit's so tight that it's floss in his bottom. You know what I mean? It just isn't that same thing anymore, you know. It's it's they, people don't sell their business to their own people. They try and sell it to the customers, but they don't tell the people what it is they're mm-hmm. trying to deliver. 
So let me ask you, in persuasion, uh, writing on, no, not writing on the wall, that resistance is, is useless. Um, you word, said yeah. that you can, uh, you can change anyone's opinion on any subject. And I think this is quite an important area for the listeners. So how, how does that happen? Well, my dad, I mean, to get serious for a moment, my dad fled from the Nazis in 1939. And he was a psychiatrist. And he stood with a, a, a Jewish friend and they watched Goebbels talking about the final solution. And my dad said, when my friend turned to him and said, do you know Rosie, which was his nickname, you know Rosie, I think he's got a point. He said, I knew it was time to leave, you know? And it, it, it's like the machine can, can, can convince people. And, and my dad's job was to take people who were convinced they were hearing voices or that they needed another drink or that they wanted to strangle their wife or whatever it was and persuade them they were committed to doing it too and use methods and techniques to change their whole outlook on life and he could do it i mean i watched him do it i watched it people walking away with completely changed personalities you know i'm not saying that every salesperson can do that but there are skills you can acquire to, at the worst, be manipulative, but at best, be very much more persuasive than you are. But I would go back and say most people just don't even ask. Well, you know, well, are you going to buy it then? You know, people say, what's, what's the best selling line? Well, you're going to buy it. Just <laughs> like, you know, it's, I used to work with, um, you know, right back to the old-fashioned shoe shops and stuff. And, and they were all trained to say, well, they look very nice. Should we take it to the till? You know, and that was 20% better than what they do now. So their sales were 20% higher. Well, 20% higher sales is the difference between profit and loss. My mum, who was a tough old cockney, and my dad never earned any money. He was always writing some weird book or talking to some strange people or something, or playing his violin or whatever it was. My mum used to buy little businesses, build them up, flog them, and then buy another run day. She knew a business should have been doing well, and rather give advice to the owner, she used to go in and buy it and then do it. And I remember what tomatoes were sold loose, and she was... They'd say, oh, Mrs. Birch, can I tell She'd say, oh, my dad, all right, my love, Jen. She'd get the tomato box. And she'd always hold a tomato there, just crooked in her little finger, just there. Mm. And she'd go, put the bag on the scales, go plop, 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 plop. And they go, oh, that's about right. She'd go, there. And then she'd hold her hand back and show them tomato held there. they go, all right, plop. And I said, why do you always do that, man? She said, that's our holiday. That's our holiday. <laughs> and, say, and she said, look, I do five grand with a... I'd do five grand with the tomatoes a year. He said, that, see, that's 500 quid every year I make just doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really? she'd be always doing stuff like that. that. The bacon slicer, one, two, three. Is that? Yeah. And then another turn every time, another 10% on the end. Yeah. All the time she was building, 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 building stuff to, to flog it, you know. Yeah. That's your next book, The Difference in Marginal Gain. Yeah, the wisdom, the wisdom of my mum. Yeah, yeah. I've discovered just speaking to you that I have a history of being dominated by tough women. <laughs> Would you say dominated? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if you're on a desert island, what's the one thing you take with you? 
my pinball machine. That uh, there we are. Look, there it is. Wow! Look at that. Whoa. It's, yeah, it's a pirate one. Brilliant. It's, it's a pirate, and I, you know, it takes. That's funny enough. It literally mentally takes you to another place. You get so involved that that all worries disappear. Yeah, yeah. The strange thing, pinball wizard. That's me. <laughs> Business guru and pinball wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always say that to try, try and tell companies. They always want me to talk to the sales force, and and I was the one they. Yeah, but the sales force are like. There's such a tiny part of your business where everybody could be in everyone. You know, I, I had this thing and it never worked. I was going to patent it called bitching or pitching, <laughs> you know, Love and, the you name. know uh, are your staff bitching or pitching, you know, yeah. and, and, and say like, even when you write a quote, you know, to supply 400 crosshead screws at six pence, you know, there's six pence. I said you could have done that as a pitch rather than a bitch. You mm. could have said, you know, to supply high tensile screws with a three-year manufacturer's warranty you know so so when they get the other quote they think oh it doesn't mention warranty it doesn't mention high tensile it doesn't mention distributed to the you know you could have put some positive stuff in just a quote yeah but but you need everybody in the whole business to be sales aware yes not just the bloody salespeople who would just lead you to trouble because they make false promises yeah. Because I used to when I was in sales. Can we have it Wednesday? Of course you can. <laughs> it wouldn't be me trying to clear that mess up. Yeah. Jeff, did you, oh, I've got a great big order from, yay. When did you say they could have it? Wednesday. What? You know, <laughs> yeah, well, deal, deal with it. i got some other calls to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't know, do that like, now. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave. But, but my favorite line was we, we did this thing with a business and I, they they basically they had this invention, some nutter in their bits invented something. Somebody in development developed it. Then somebody in production started to produce it. Marketing produced brochures for it called the Thunderbolt 5000. The salespeople sold it and it broke down and the service people came to mend it. And the service people who came to mend it said, of course, can't mend these, they're shit. Whoever designed this must have been a lunatic, you know. And I said, I can see that, but why not get the inventor, the production, the marketing, the sales and service in on the original development meeting? They go, great presentation from Jeff Birch, but he's a bit of a rebel. <laughs> Crazy wild guy, you know. Imagine sales talking to marketing. Who could? Oh, I know. Yeah. Imagine <laughs> common sense, eh? <laughs> what the world would be like if we just use common sense, eh? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. 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 I mean, how how design something that the service engineer couldn't service? Could yeah. you mend that? No, I couldn't. Yeah. Well, how how could we design it so you could mend it? Well, you could put a little door in the side. Ah, oh, good thinking. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, no. They're not even in the same country, apparently, it turned out. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Jeff, how can listeners get hold of you? Well, uh, LinkedIn, I always love people getting into I like LinkedIn a lot, especially because I can make little acid comments backwards and forwards. That's a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with that. You meet little businesses. But I also got a website, Jeff, Jeff Birch, but you've got to spell it right. B-U-R, it's Jeff with a G and it's B-U-R-C-H, jeffbirch.com. I'm a dot com, you know. 
you're a that's why I get the weirdest spam. I, I get offered Russian wives and and field artillery from the American gun shops because they think I'm American because it's .com, you know. <laughs> well, I think the beauty of LinkedIn that we all get really weird requests. <laughs> hey, Jeff, <laughs> if you want to shoot your neighbours, why not get in touch? <laughs> So, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've so enjoyed your humour and reading your books, and I'll be putting all the links in in the show notes. So thank you for being a guest on Scale Yourself Podcast. Lovely. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Scale Your Sales. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Janice B. Gordon, to comment and share. I'd love it if you would leave a review on ratethispodcast.com slash scale your sales. Please subscribe for more weekly expert insights to scale your sales.